Hi, welcome to episode seven of Drive to Success, a podcast made by Athena Racing Student Advisory Board. I'm Shane Connor, your host for this episode. I'm Mihika Tiwari, Athena Racing's podcast manager. And I'm Loxley Brown, Athena Racing's executive producer. Today, we're here with Dean Case, who is a communications consultant for multiple companies like Motivo Engineering and Grassroots Motorsport Magazine. He has also largely worked with Mazda and even with Ford and Nissan, too. He is also a significant volunteer and board member for the Society of Automotive Engineers, managing competitions and inspiring college students through his talks and papers. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. We're happy that you're here, too. So let's get started with finding out you know, more about the stories that have made you who you are. We want to know more about you and how STEM has factored into your career. Here's our first question. So when I look at your career, I see a definite interest in automotives. What age were you when you dis- first discovered cars? Probably a w- very small child. I mean, I grew up in kind of a gearhead family. My dad was a, a Los Angeles City firefighter. And like a lot of firefighters, they have interesting hobbies. My dad was into uh, drag boats and motorcycles. So I grew up in kind of a motorhead household. Uh, and we had, you know, some interesting cars along the way as well, but Mainly, it was hot rod boats and motorcycles when I was a kid. So I was always a gearhead from the earliest days I can remember. So going on to your career, just kind of describe it for us. How did it unfold and how did it bring you to where you are now? A lot of, you know, it's funny. You can plan a career, but a lot of it is just reacting to things that happen. Um, Cal Poly was really big on co-ops and internships. And things would happen that connect in later years. I Cal Poly, before you could interview for a co-op position, you had to have your resume approved and you had to go through an interview class. And I was planning on, well, I'll co-op next year, but I'm going to go ahead and do all the paperwork early. And, you know, because someone said you should try to do a couple of practice interviews, you know, even if you don't necessarily want the job, you need the experience doing an interview. And so I signed up, got my resume approved by the co-op office, did the interview prep. And then on a Friday afternoon, I got a phone call from the co-op office and said, hey, the last minute company signed up to do interviews on Monday, and we don't have a full schedule. So they asked, you know, would you interview with them? I was like, okay, what's the company? They said, Edwards Laboratories. And I said, okay. I looked at, or American Edwards Laboratories. And I'm from the era before the internet. So I went to the library that weekend and researched this company. Mm-hmm. So I went into the interview on Monday. And but he was so impressed with how much research I had done, I got the on-site interview, and it went so well. They offered me a co-op position, so I took it. And what ended up happening the first, and this is a this relates to my career at Mazda, the first day of my uh, orientation there. The company was big enough that every Monday morning they would onboard everybody who was starting new, whether you were uh, administrative assistant working in the assembly. Uh, of heart catheters, an engineer, anybody went through the same HR orientation. And I ended up sitting next to a guy, and somehow we started talking about cars. (laughs) And he was an engineer, senior engineer. So we became kind of buddies and car geeks. A couple of years later, he was selling a car, and the person who came to look at the car was the chief designer for Mazda Studio in Irvine. My friend Eric backdoored my resume. (laughs) into Mazda. So I get a phone call then from Mazda, asked me to come down and interview, and I had no idea what they're talking about because I didn't apply for any job at Mazda. My friend Eric had 
handed the resume in. And so, you know, there's things like that. It's like you couldn't plan for something like that. You know, it's just things happen. And that's partly why organizations like SAE, which we'll talk about a little bit more, I think, here, and others, you know, Athena Racing, you develop a network of people who will help you. And sometimes, you know, without even your asking. And so, uh, you know, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time to join Mazda. And this was in uh, October of 1986. And I was hired as a studio engineer. And I show up the first day. And once you sign all the non-disclosure paperwork to where you can see this, the cool stuff, they take me back into the design studio where the where it was a full-size clay model of a two-seat sports car that was still over two years away from production. That was the Miata. Wow. So, you know, and I couldn't tell anyone about the car for another two and a half years until we launched it in um, February of 1989. <laughs> so, um, so that's how I got started. I mean, so I ended up, you know, uh, doing six years at Mazda. There's a long story how I ended up getting my interview at Ford, but I ended up going to Ford, uh, working on electric vehicles in the early 90s. I worked at, on electric vehicles back in 1993 through 97 at Ford. Yeah. Finally was able to weasel my way into motorsports while I was at Ford. Became the Trans Am program manager. I took a job with Nissan mm-hmm. and ended up back in electric vehicles. And then I did my major career change from engineering to communications back in the year 2000 and ended up doing all the product launches for Nissan products from 2001 through 2006. And so became a freelancer. And so I worked for a variety of companies, including uh, 11 years as a consultant to Mazda Motorsports. I hadn't burned any bridges. So yeah, and that's kind of why you need to, you know, build a network and keep those connections. Um, And so kind of building off that, how have your experiences in college and your career with SAE, um, how have they prepared you for working? Well, I think a lot of it, you know, I didn't even know, you know, what SAE was really until I got to college. Because SAE for me was like, oh, that's the thing on the top of the oil can. SAE 10W40 or 20W50 or SAE graded bolts. But I didn't really understand what it was until I got to Cal Poly. And then I found out about uh, SAE Baja and Formula SAE and those things. And I quickly got involved because I knew, you know, I chose engineering not because... I knew I wanted to do engineering. I knew I wanted to work automotive more than engineering. You know, I consider myself a car geek who happens to have spent the first half of his career in engineering and the second half on the business communication side. But um, I learned a lot of skills on the SAE front that I would not have learned in class. And a lot of it, you know, sponsor, you know, I used to go out and hustle sponsors for our projects. And it gives you a great excuse to call people. And you're not calling for selfish reasons. You're trying to engage them with supporting an educational program. Yeah. So, you know, it was very useful for me. It helped me network as a student. So uh, I, I recommend that to everybody. It's like, if you say you want to work in automotive and are not involved in SAE, I, I don't really take you seriously. Certainly on the technical side. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really want to do SAE in college myself, so hearing about that's cool. Yeah, so going deeper into SAE, what is your impact on SAE students and what does the program teach its members? How do you enhance those lessons? Well, it's kind of interesting what I, there was people early in my career who helped me 
for just because they were nice people. Uh, I did uh, an internship in Washington, D.C. There's one that uh, you want to note this one when you're about your third year in college. Uh, Washington Internships for Students of Engineering, which is studying the role of engineering and public policy. So I spent the summer in Washington, D.C. And I remember meeting some people there who just gave me some great career advice. And they didn't have to. They were just nice people. You know, I went to talk to them about the research I was doing. And they were just really appreciative that someone my age was interested in what they were doing. And so I, I think that because of that, I feel a little bit of a need to kind of contribute to students like yourselves. You know, uh, people helped me. So the best way I can thank them is to kind of, you know, continue the tradition, if you will. And so, you know, what I try to do is I try to work with the students to make sure they understand what the competition is for. And, you know, if I ask a student who's working on a car, you have two choices. Do you want to win the competition and have no job offer? where you want to finish 45th out of 100 and have five job offers. I want to talk, I want to work with the student who's looking for, to launch their career. Racing's great, but that's not why these things exist. Yeah. And that's where I do a lot of work with the students of trying to just help them showcase their talent in front of people who can then help them. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I know you um, mentioned kind of how you got into Mazda earlier. But now, um, switching over, describe to us your experiences with Mazda and kind of what was your favorite part about it? Well, actually, you know, I've got, I have two Mazda careers. The first one, you know, working in the design studio is fantastic. I mean, it's just the most creative environment you can imagine, you know, that you're starting out with, you know, a designer will come up with this beautiful rendering. And this was, you know, back in an era where we weren't really doing the renderings on the, the tube. It was all uh, hand-drawn. So, you know, you've got a concept. What is going to be the next replacement for, whether it's the 323 or the 626 or the 929 or whatever, RX-7. And they just, we start conceptualizing what should the next car look like. And then the engineering side, we would try to help figure out how to package it. And so a lot of give and take working with the, um, the artistic side, if you will, both the tall customer and the short customer need to be able to see out of the car and operate all the controls safely, uh, make sure that it meets all the regulatory uh, restrictions, headlight placement, bumper placement, yeah. you know, glass drops. So we, we jokingly refer to ourselves as the physics police. It's like, okay, that looks great, but it's not going to work. Here's what we need to go back and forth to where we can have a car that you can build and someone can fit in and still meet your uh, aesthetic appeal. Mm -hmm. And so that was fun. But the reality is when you're working for a branch office of an overseas company, you're only seeing little bits and pieces. So the frustration, you know, there is, it was very repetitive. You'd work on a variety of vehicles, but it's kind of the same thing. Uh, but I got to do some cool things. I was the first American to ever uh, learn the Mazda CAD system. So I spent a month in Japan. Wow. Uh, uh, so that was great. And my, I had a, an amazing boss he he sent me to japan via geneva switzerland so i went to the geneva auto show for two days and then continued from geneva to japan for a month that's cool yeah so i was i mean i had i had some great experiences but the reality on any job there's gonna be good days and bad days and there's a few days where it's like i couldn't believe i was paid to do that i got to go through um the 
driving school that Mazda has in Japan for all the test drivers. Before you, they don't just toss you the keys and say, you know, okay, uh, uh, Shane, you know, you're going to test drive this car. It's like, no, they want you to train you to be an evaluation driver. So I went through a couple of days of driver training there in Japan, uh, and they were all right-hand drive cars. So they made me drive right-hand drive, which was an experience. So I had some days like that that was like, wow, that's really cool. And there's other days where it's just like any other job. It's just, you know, bureaucratic and, you know, okay, they pay me. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I don't want to over-glamorize it. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff, but, you know, on all this, you have good days and bad days at every job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, later with your media experience, how has your, like, PR and managing enhanced your current jobs, both with consulting and SAE? Well, I used to get this strange compliment. How I was able to do the career change was I would get this compliment of your writing's excellent. And there's a little pause for an engineer because no one expects engineers to write. And a lot of what you see, I think even at the high school level, is a lot of the students who pursue a STEM path really snub writing. You know, they don't really want to take the literature courses. They don't want to take the writing courses. You know, that's not their interest. They're really math and science focused. Yeah. And, okay, but in the real world, you have to be able to explain technical topics to non-technical people often. You know, a car company is not just engineers. You're going to need to understand, you know, if you want to go down an engineering path, you're still going to have to pass all the same engineering classes that I did and you know, that any engineer has to do. That's a kind of a starting point, if you will. And I'm not a big uh, believer like, hey, you have to go to a prestige name school. Any school is good. I mean, there's so many great schools in this country. So it's finding the other skill sets and then, you know, working on your speaking skills, working on your writing, you know, just other things. If you have an artistic skill, I I mentored a student um, this past year uh, that was a lot of fun. She was working on her master's degree and she was trying to figure out how to showcase her talents. And we got talking about her interests. And I go, so what's your favorite car? What do you like? BMW. Okay. I've got a few contacts at BMW. We got talking further and she, unlike most engineers, had an artistic side. So I asked her if she'd ever heard of the BMW art cars. And she had not. I said, well, there's your homework assignment. Go find out what you can on those cars and call me back. And she calls me back and she goes, oh, those are amazing. And I don't expect you to know what the BMW R cars are, but they were, you'll want to look them up before uh, uh, long, but BMW used to hire world-renowned artists like Andy Warhol, Roy Lichtenstein, and others to paint BMW race cars that competed at Le Mans. Oh, and then so these cool. cars would then go into a museum. And oh, since 1975 is the first year, they've only, they've only done 19 of these cars. And so what I uh, suggested to this young woman was do one yourself, build a tribute one and compete in the Grassroots Motorsports $2,000 challenge. She did. And when she did the press release, you know, I helped her, I coached her on writing a press release to announce it. I posted it to my LinkedIn profile, say, hey, anyone wants to support this? This is a really cool thing she's doing. Mm-hmm. Someone I met back in 1998 when he was working at Dan Gurney's All American Racers. We'd gone down to Gurney's shop to do a photo because Dan was an SAE member and he had a bunch of Formula SAE alums working at the team. So I went down there to do a photo with these guys, to do a little story. 
Well, one of those engineers is now the technical director for NASCAR R&D. He saw my posting, reached out to Abby and said, hey, if you're driving from Michigan to Florida for the competition, stop by Charlotte. I'll show you around NASCAR R&D. She started work there as a full-time engineer last That's week. That's awesome. But it was the fact <laughs> that showcasing her unusual skills for an engineer, which was her artistic flair. Yeah. Um, so I think trying to be as well-rounded as you can, uh, but if you want to have greater career opportunities to move around, having some of those other skills is extremely helpful. So what are some of your favorite projects that you've either worked on, seen, or consulted for? Oh, man. Um, well, obviously, working on the Miata was special, you know, because that was such a groundbreaking car. Uh, that was an amazing experience at the time. Uh, when I went to Ford, uh, working on early electric vehicles was interesting, but also frustrating because most of the projects we worked on never saw the light of day. Yeah. Um, but then work getting into Trans Am uh, with the Ford Mustang race team. I worked with Roush Racing and Tom Gloy Racing. That was a, a you know amazing year. We were undefeated, thirteen races, thirteen wins. Yeah. Uh, so that was a magic year in that regard. Then I did some things that are unrelated. I've one of my other skill sets, if you will, is blending things that don't necessarily seem like they go together. And uh, I wanted to demonstrate how this could work. So my pet project, pun intended, was promoting shelter animal adoptions on race cars. And so over the course of 10 years, and we ended up raising over $150,000 for various animal shelters, got hundreds of animals adopted, and created a lot of positive press. Yeah. Um, so that was a favorite project. Um, I have a, an obsession with... Um, Songs are related to cars. And, you know, if you grew up my age, you remember Beach Boys, Little Deuce Coop, Shut Down, 409, all those. But I'll go for the more, vastly more obscure songs, like My Bloody Yugo and In My Gremlin and all kinds of weird car songs. I ended up turning that into a project with Rhino Records back in 1999. Uh, there's a four CD box set of uh, 87 car songs. Wow. That I, that I worked on. So I've done some pretty weird projects that have really nothing that you would expect. Why would an automotive engineer have worked on this? Like, well, you have strange hobbies, and I've just managed to turn them into uh, things where yeah, you know, cool stuff can happen. Yeah, and with all your varied experience, what advice would you give someone new to your field, the automotive field? Well, a lot of, I mean, if if you have the ability to go into engineering, if you have the math and science skills feel we need diversity on all levels. And so, you know, underrepresented groups, if they have the skill set and the interest. And, you know, I think, you know, when people say, well, you know, women aren't interested in cars or math and science, yeah, that's rubbish. I, I know too many who are just as passionate as any guy. And I think that if you have an interest in it, go for it. And the next 20 years could be the most interesting time ever for the auto industry because we go through electrification, you know, whatever's going to happen with autonomy. Uh, there's a lot of huge changes in the industry that are taking place. So it's an exciting time. And I think getting a technical education is extremely helpful and can place you 
right in the heart of it. And then you can change. You can, you can do like I did. You can do a career change midway through. You can go back and get a master's degree in something different. You can take it wherever you want. Getting back to it, my recommendation is, you know, find something you're interested in, but, yeah. you know, and then just start slowly networking around because you don't know who might be out there who's willing to help you. Yeah. Well, um, kind of wrapping it up, last question. What is the theme song of your life? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And I was like, I, I don't think I could do a theme song. I have to do a whole soundtrack. I mean, my um, my iTunes collection, I've got about 30,000 songs, which over 1,000 were car-related. But So, um, no, I, I couldn't come up with just one. I mean, I have... Uh, just within my five star songs, I think I've got like 1200 songs. If I had to just put that on an iPod and live with those songs for the rest of my life. Okay. I'm good with that, but it'd be 1200 songs long. (laughs) Yeah. And I think you've definitely proved, proved yourself with, you know, your projects around like music and cars. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, the the nicest thing, you know, earlier this year, didn't the pandemic sidetracked it, but I got a phone call from, um, Ferrari North America. And I didn't call them. They called me. It's like, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a phone call you want to get. Yeah. And they asked me, so are you still working with engineering students? And it was someone I had talked to previously, uh, like a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go, yeah. He goes, do you think you could get some engineering students to come to some Ferrari challenge races? Ooh. Like, oh, yeah. I think I can do that. Oh, right? yeah. And it was supposed to be for four races uh, in 2020. And we did the first race at Road Atlanta uh, in first weekend of March. And I got 125 students from seven universities across three states to show up. I mean, students drove up from Florida and across from Alabama. And we had a fantastic day. And then COVID hit and they canceled the other three events. And they're not going to be back for 2021. Fingers crossed we might be able to get it for 2022. Yeah. But, you know, that's where I like it. people know what my expertise is and seek out. It's like, I don't want to just do generic automotive. Now I'm at a point where uh, if I can do stuff that ties my interest, like, well, how do we help animals or students <laughs> or something? Or what's the music component? You know? Yeah. Well, um, it was great meeting with you and hearing about all your experiences, um, both in SAE and working for Mazda and Motivo. Um, thank you so much for all the advice, yeah. especially with like, fun you know, dipping in like PR and making sure you have like writing and, you know, communication skills. Well, I look forward to post-pandemic driving down to San Diego and meeting uh, the team face-to-face. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Once it's, once it's safe. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and for sharing your experiences. Okay. Have a great rest of the day and uh, stay in touch. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of our podcast, Drive to Success. Make sure you check out our website at athenaracing.org and all of our social media, which is linked below.